Welcome back into the Four Mandalore podcast. Uh, join with me is T Bob Abear and our special guest. Hey guys, Jesse McCormick. Jesse here. McCormick. And if you're hearing Jesse's mic there, it's uh, a little messed up, but we are recording three people in the studio and it's all the equipment we have. So you're just going to have to, um, unfortunately, we just have to deal with it. But uh, welcome, Jesse. It is nice to have you, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I've been listening to y'all do your thing. And mm-hmm. I felt like this week, Going into Christmas, you get the Mandalorian on Wednesday. Yep. Rise of Skywalker on Friday. Here, get get Sunday. get up get up on that mic. Get up on Saint that mic. Sunday. Yeah, there we go. We're here. Yeah, and uh, for those that don't know, you may have heard me referencing a uh, lore master that uh, is very learned in the ways of uh, all fantasy lore, but Star Wars lore, uh, maybe especially, and uh, that is. Jesse. So I'm very happy to have the foremost Star Wars expert that I know on the uh, on the show today. Where would you say Star Wars ranks on your nerd pillars that you know? Because you write, you you've written some Game of Thrones stuff. Yeah, I think it's I think it's number one. Really, Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings. Those three kind of interchange with however I'm feeling. But Star Wars is the longer invested relationship here. I mean, I'm a 1980s baby yeah right up with it so it's it's been something cool to see and the different media and the animated and now they're doing trilogies and spinoffs and streaming and i love it all really uh all right nick we'll kick us off we okay so okay sorry we, this is what we want to be painfully clear about uh we're going to talk about rise of skywalker be very spoiler heavy if you have not seen rise of skywalker you probably don't want to listen to this episode because stuff might be sneaking in and out the entire time. Yeah, definitely not uh, linear. Yeah, as as we're breaking down Mando Episode 7. So our goal for this show is to talk about Mandalorian Episode 7, uh, which was great, and talk about our thoughts on Rise of Skywalker, of which we have all three already seen it. So, Nick, kick us off. The boys have kind of summed this up very well. Uh, we, we've had an explosive week, really. Yep. Uh, so much stuff entering uh, the lore. Personally, for me, my favorite was that Re- Revan's probably canon now, which has made me the happiest boy. A lot of Knights of the Old Republic confirmation in uh, in Rise of Skywalker, including a statue, apparently. I sent you a screenshot. Yeah. I didn't fully understand what it was referencing, but a statue from... Or for a statue of a character from Knights of the Old Republic is in Episode Nine, which I didn't even notice. So I'm gonna have to go back. I'm gonna watch it many times. Obviously. Yeah. So we're gonna go back. We're gonna watch for those things. But today's episode of Four Mandalore is gonna involve a lot of lore from both the Mandalorian and Rise of Skywalker. We're really happy uh, that y'all have joined us for this episode, uh, guys. What do you think um, was your biggest takeaway? Each we can start uh, with Jesse because he's our guest. What, what was what was your biggest takeaway from Chapter Seven? The biggest moment for me personally was Yoda using, or baby Yoda, excuse me, using force choke, and then Oof. in the same exact episode using some force heal, where we're not just talking about, you know, get you better. We're talking full-blown fatal wound heal. Man was going to yeah. die. Yes. Like, like in, in minutes. And whatever the I, I, those things, I can't remember the name, but they're in Dagobah, the... You know, he's like, oh, man, everything should be good. Nothing's going to happen. And then these, like, pterodactyl dragons just come right. grabbing these things <laughs> yeah. out of everywhere. <laughs> and they are a lot more vicious than I remember them being yes, in dude. the past. I mean, they're picking up these blurgs and ripping people's heads off. Right. Poor blurgs. Um, it was, it was so, okay, so 
So let's explore that a little bit. Uh, you mentioned Baby Yoda using a force choke, a known dark side power. He's got the cute, red around the eyes, dude, his too, cute when he did eyes it. little eyes when he oh, hit that glare. That, oh, when he hit that glare was fantastic. And his little hands squeezing. Um, and it was all because Gina Carano, who, by the way, I have such a crush on Gina Carano. I don't know what it is, but something about her mix of, like, Beauty and and just I can beat your ass is it really does it for me. And I think she she's can. awesome. I mean, she is out here kicking people's asses, kicking, and, and no it question. looks and yeah, it looks no legit, and it like your brain buys it. So I, I love her. I mean, but, she fought in octagon, but exactly, right? exactly. I mean, yeah, she she's did a UFC that. fighter, so it makes sense. Uh, so okay, but so they're arm wrestling. Baby Yoda. For, what's the significance of Baby Yoda using force choke? I think what it did is give everybody. If you've ever been a Star Wars fan, you've always seen fan art where they'll take like a Obi-Wan and make him a Sith, or they'll take a, a, ba- a Yoda and make him a Sith. But yeah. right here, there was a glimpse here that Yoda, because we only see Yoda as this established, complete master of his craft, right, right? right? We didn't see the 900 years coming up. And so it shows you that, man, these guys aren't all born... You're not born just like and inherently that, good. And that force choke came out real easy. I mean, you they're show, arm wrestling. You, it, yeah, exactly. It does show you how much he likes Mando, though, too. Oh, yeah. No, that bond is solidified. I think, you know, we're finally on, I, I don't want to call the other episodes filler, but we're back to the main storyline mm-hmm. here you in can, episode you call, seven. You can call it filler. It's well, right. it's like, I don't, even know, I don't even know if they're filler. If it's just like, look, when you have a television show, especially one that they want to be, I think, as snappy and fun as Mandalorian is... You you have these episodes where it's just a self-contained, you know what, this is a 30-minute adventure. And if you look at Dave Filoni's past, who worked hand-in-hand with John Favreau and all this, it goes, I mean, Filoni's used to making television show like this, where he balances these side adventures with an overall main story. And I told you last week, Nick, we're going to get a Filoni two-parter. And what do we have? <laughs> that, was, that was one of our predictions. We have You're a right. Filoni two-parter, a classic here, so... Yeah, we were, we're, but it was nice too. After a couple episodes of Side Adventure, one of which I didn't really like, the others I did. It was definitely nice to get back some stuff that can impact the Star Wars universe as a whole. And did you know? I think it did because if we think about Force Heal, I mean Force Heal's hot right now. I mean that's pretty yeah, big. Yeah, I saw it twice in two days. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like well, that's why they released the episode on Wednesday so that people could go ahead and get a little lubed up. Right. To watch some massive force healing going on in Rise of Skywalker. It's wild. I mean, it is wild. And I think if you look at, um, I mean, it gives you a whole new motivation, too, with Palpatine. Like, why does he, why does the Empire want this rare force healing little little baby life force over here? You know, maybe it is to, you know, bring old boy back to life. Well, and it is weird combined with what we learned in Episode Nine is if Palpatine is still kind of, secretly pulling the strings you can legitimately ask the question is palpatine the one pursuing baby yoda so hard i think you have to assume at this point he is yeah no that's that's a very important i, I think the, them releasing i still releases. don't know if i'm ready to make that assumption though well i mean it's just it's 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 kind of something you could piece together seeing that they release it on the wednesday the thursday you, you realize he's been chasing these people for his own benefit yeah and, and the empire is still somewhat of a factor in the Mandalorian, so you gotta assume there's a tie there. I just wonder how many people actually knew about Palpatine. Obviously, General Pride did from Rise of Skywalker, who's a great new character. I thought I thought the uh, the actor who played him gave off that like 
imperial kind of mm, snobbery, I guess you could oh, yeah. almost say, with a little with much with more kind effectively of, than Hux did. Yeah, which but I actually it. liked Hux being the mole because he's so petty yeah, that he just like. He fit him perfect. Kylo yeah. And they had to set him up, like, we're going to get rid of this guy, right? Yeah, so and, let they, me, and, they, and they did. Let me and give they did a something. good job with it, because along with getting rid of Hux, uh, they do show you that General Pride is pretty shrewd and and pretty ruthless. Like, he's not going to... But he knew about Palpatine. I wonder, because, okay, if we're going down this, like, is Palpatine secretly the one behind all this? I wonder how many people know. Like, the guy that we meet at the end of Episode Seven, Mandalorian, who is awesome. Guy from Breaking Bad, right? Love him. Does he is he acting on Palpatine's orders unbeknownst to himself, or is he pursuing this himself? Is he one of the ones in direct contact with Palpatine? These are a lot of questions that we just don't have answers. I to. think there's something we have to that we can draw though. So the new character from from Episode Nine, he's kind of that older head general. He's been in the Empire yeah, a long time. He only knows this lifestyle. Yeah, and then here comes Gideon. He's another one that looks like he's been through the the ringer. So is Gideon the, the Gideon's the character at the end of episode yes, seven, Moff, right? Okay, at the, Moff at, Gideon at the, is yeah. that that's his name. At the end of Mandalorian rolls in on a Tie Fighter. That's how they land. You know, I mean, that's just how you oh, roll. Old boy from uh, Breaking Bad, right? El Pollo Loco himself. Mm-hmm. Is that him? Giancarlo um, Esposito. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah, so I think you've got these older guys who. The, the the emperor could say, look, these guys, they're not going back to regular life. This is all they know. And maybe he's in the, You don't know if he's doing some Inception thing. But when they drop a bomb of Reyes of Palpatine, Palpatine is still alive. You then have to assume that everything else in all their the universe yeah. has been affected. The one thing is, I think it's only like five years after Return of the Jedi so Mando episode yeah. seven. It takes seven years after the Emperor's death is right. the official timing of it. So he's still pretty fresh wound. Yeah, he's not. You know, he's not back up to speed. But but he is already on Exegol. I have no I'm idea. Assuming. I'm assuming he's got to be like maybe his little, you know, his little people came and got him, brought him to Exegol, or somehow he got from the bottom of a well to his new Sith planet. So okay, so I got a question, or let's let's explore this. Story. What are y'all's thoughts on it? Because you mentioned Ray being a Palpatine. I like Palpatine being back for Rise of Skywalker. And I'll say this, my overall thoughts on Rise of Skywalker. Um, I think there's never only one path to success. I think you can make a successful movie with multiple different ways, multiple different storylines. And I think that J.J. landed the plane, essentially. This is a pretty epic ending for an epic series. It was fun. It was a bit shallow, but it felt like a fun roller coaster ride. Like, I was into it. That said... I can't help but feel a sense of loss at the lost potential of the Last Jedi, uh, and and really the Ray parentage thing is is key in that, because I thought that her parents being no one was so effective in the Last Jedi because because it goes against the grain of everything that we know, not just about stars, but how we think about history throughout history, monarchies, whatever. We always put so much emphasis. On bloodlines, and yet a lot of times world leaders come from nothing. Genghis Khan was born into shit, and he ends up ruling the world. Like, who were Palpatine's parents? Do they have to be famous now? Like, I love the idea that Ray was just an anomaly, um, like Anakin should have been, not immaculately concepted, and that she was going to rise up. Now I feel her being a Palpatine, I just feel that it cheapens everything. 
It, I, I feel like you have to. It just just goes back to the tired old. Well, you have to be born into this family if you want to be worth something. You have to have these bloodlines. And the the most frustrating part about it is, she turns her back on that lineage and adopts the Skywalker name. Why could she not have just done that as a nobody? She doesn't need to be Palp's granddaughter to be legitimized. I would agree. They could have grand. She she could have been legitimized with how they did it with her training with Leia, who we find out trained as a Jedi, and that's all awesome. But she did not need to be Palp's granddaughter. No, you you kind of go. You kind of go. From your point, you could have just adopted it without the Palpatine storyline. Exactly. You're kind of going straight. Like if you if you draw a straight line, then a little circle on the side, you're like going like straight around the circle, straight. Like you're not go- you could have just like erased that yes. entirely and, and made the same amount of progress. I can't like propose a scenario that would be better, but I would agree with you in the fact that I don't I didn't I wouldn't go that route if I if I could have written it. I think there's an asterisk by some of this stuff. I think Carrie Fisher's untimely death threw off a lot of where yeah. they may have wanted to take a story. I, I because would, she was going to yeah. be like the surrogate mom, right? They had to of, take her unused Ray. footage, and and you and there's a reason why it was unused, and then write dialogue around that, and unfortunately you could feel it. Yeah, it, I've it got to assume suffer. that Leia picks up the training for Ray in this planet where she's hovering above the ground with yeah. you know atomized rocks oh God, going so all around. Badass, I mean let's as you always effects. say her third eye is fully open when we first see Ray this Oh movie. yeah. I mean she is and the technology of today allows these guys a lot more freedom to show force power. Well, like we were so impressed with Luke doing a one-handed handstand and stacking rocks back right. in the day, and she's floating cross-legged with like a like a nuclear symbol of rocks like Dude. rotating all around her. She's grabbing transports, about to jump into light speed. That was so awesome. Pulls which, them, which <laughs> and I don't feel like I've seen any of that uh, out of Force Unleashed, the first Force Unleashed game, where I don't think it's canon anymore. But Vader's secret apprentice literally pull you pull a star, uh, star destroyer out yeah. the uh, out out the sky. Yeah, right. And this was not that, but still, her and Kylo tug a warring over a uh, a transport was incredible. And to your point on Palpatine, it did feel like, all right, boom, here it is. We're just she's Palpatine. Yeah, Take I it mean, and let's do it and let's you've, ride. You've been building it. up something for so long and kind of just taking. You go, like, wait, no, this is this is. But that's why create creatively and the message that it sends. That's why I felt like The Last Jedi's was so much more effective. The Palpatine thing just feels like a retread. It just it feels like it's the tired, same old tired BS. At the end of Last Jedi, when you're talking about the sacrifice that Luke made and how much it inspires the galaxy, and you see the boy who's randomly Force-sensitive, right? Like, Rey was representative of that boy, representative of all the other Jedi who are just born Force-sensitive, because they are. I, I just feel like the need to tie her um, from a bloodline standpoint, I feel like it's it's it reinforces a lot of the things that I maybe don't like about Star Wars. And it was it's kind of emblematic of the movie as a whole is that JJ went very conservative, in my opinion, in how he handled the the overall storyline. And you know what? Maybe that's what Star Wars fans want. Because Ryan Johnson did not and it blew up in his face. And it's actually damaged like the Star Wars brand overall. If you look at like the success of the movies, but from a for me personally, I just think there was so much potential in what Johnson had laid out, and you still could have done a ton of what JJ did. She just didn't have to be a Palpatine, in my opinion. I mean, we essentially ended up with a Return of the Jedi reboot with 
Darth Kylo Ren taking the place of Darth Vader as the dark side that has a moment of good at the end. Uh, Ray is the the part of Luke in all of this. The Emperor is still the Emperor. Like it's almost the exact same story. Hey, Force Awakens for was was a was a New Hope reboot, and it was. So and, like, and 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 I don't want to and I don't want to hate on that because I think there's value there. And, and I think if you really want to like dig into like Force Awakens, did some creative things, and and, and Rise of Skywalker the same way. Where yeah, and the broad strokes are the same. If you zoom in closer, they are a bit different. Um, but but it's just that. I think it made more sense with Force Awakens when you're trying to reboot Star Wars and bring it back to the modern age. I just felt like you had such a platform to do tell your own story in Rise of Skywalker that for J.J. to go back to Sith versus Jedi, Return of the Jedi ending, I found it overall was a very fun ride. It felt very shallow compared to the depth of Last Jedi. I think a lot of us had to see this coming, though, with the response that 8 got. Um, I mean, as much as some, it, as as polarizing as it was, um, I think you had to see a return to form of being very like friendly to everyone. Um, and it, I mean, and to be clear, all my friends that hated Last Jedi, I love this movie. They're just like, yeah, I just I just want big dumb Star Wars. I just want to turn off my brain. I want to hear the lines that I love, and I want to. It's very visually pleasing, like see you some said, lightsabers. Jesse. Yeah, see some light. I mean, bro, how tight was Ray versus Kylo? It was on the Death Star. I would have liked to have seen some raindrops sizzle on the lightsaber. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just would have liked to have seen that. That um, I mean, that whole scene is top notch, and then you get the Han flashback sealed so guess- with a kiss. I okay. What y'all think about the kiss? It's been a point of debate in my group text between. Raylo, I, um, I loved the kiss. It really worked for me. Like it worked wonderfully for me. I thought that they, they were kind of saying that it just came out of nowhere. But I don't know. I always felt like there was a ton of sexual tension between those yeah. two. <laughs> I mean, especially last movie, you got shirtless Kylo and Ray's kind of in the peeking, they're both in their little yeah, private quarters, peeking yeah. in on him, and and so Marie and I kind of had a back and forth trying to figure out who was going to end up with who. Yeah, in terms of the relationships and whatever that happened, she was like, "What?" They were kept teasing you with Finn, man. They, no, they really, they really did. <laughs> okay, really wait, did. so Jesse, you text me this, but uh, <laughs> what what what's your new term for what happened to Finn? Oh, it's like a new level of getting friend zoned. You know, you got Finn zoned because <laughs> he is never getting out of there. <laughs> it hurts so bad. That is never gonna happen. Uh, it was nice. Up. So that that is one of the parts that I really did enjoy about Rise of Skywalker. Um, and again, it's almost a bit like Jedi in that the kind of getting the band back together. It was yeah. nice off the bat. They were like, "Okay, look, we, we we know the strength of these movies are the new characters, like or you know, like the the, the kind of core. So we're just gonna get Poe, Finn, the crew back, and we're, we're gonna throw them on an adventure. And and, and that was very fun. RTD, uh, not R two D two. C three PO. Love the screen time that C three PO got. Way more than I would have expected. Yeah, and I think it played out. Good. It's well yeah, deserved like for it. Anthony Daniels. Yes. Um, who's put in the work over the years. Oh yeah. And when he did the Sith speaking was a pretty cool part. I like oh, that. Oh, that was badass. Yeah, I like that. Uh I, I I do feel like for maybe it was the musical score, but the 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 C three PO getting his memory wiped didn't really hit as emotionally as it should have. Like none of the actors really reacted when he said he was about they're just like, Yeah, okay, well, you got, we got to wipe your memory. Like we got stuff to do. Well, they which, don't really know maybe, him, you know. Maybe that's too just how Star Wars fan or Star Wars people in that universe treat droids. Like droids get their memory wiped. It just it is what it is. Which they, is a great segue into what happened with 
Quill's character in Mandalore. Mm. Are droids inherently can they be better than that what was they're programmed? Very, I love that subplot so much in seven. I know uh, chapter seven. I really enjoyed seeing how you know, because obviously Mando is not a great litmus test to see how the average person treats droids, right? But to see his response in you know juxtaposed to Quills, I think you get an idea of you know, hey, like let let's let's bring you back down to earth. Think about look. He's like, look, that droid was programmed to kill people. That's that's it's programming. Like that's all it is. He knows. says droids, and you mentioned Jesse how good the writing is for Quill. Yeah, he's so good. Very he good, says something along the lines of, "Droids are just a neutral reflection of their maker." Right. Which, oh yeah, he's getting serious, true. deep phil- philosophical here. Or I, I say line. it's obviously true, but Mando feels differently. He feels and like do we well, think IG's that he nature. may have blasted Quill. Uh, you what? You think who blasted Quill? You think the droid could have done Ooh. it? Oh wow! I hadn't even considered. I that. I mean, you have him chasing. We 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 fade away. Boom! They were okay. Blast so the, shot. So pick up the, Baby Yoda. <laughs> opening the gate. You know. To your point, there are uh, multiple. Um, there are multiple scenes where you see they linger on IG's face. Yeah, with the red lights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah like, they do. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, is that supposed to be menacing? Or are they setting us up for next episode? Is he going to go up? Wait, do we see IG88 shooting this episode? Not in this episode. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. I'm making sure. Are you conf- okay, I was confused for a second. But he's so, fully operational. Yeah, so I'm wondering, because they say he will defend. They say he won't attack, he will defend. If I had to guess, I still think Quill's programming will hold true. But do we see IG-88 just go off on, uh, do we see IG-88 go off on whoever killed Quill next episode or something along those lines? I gotta believe there's some IG action left just from how long they stayed on the robot's face for for two or three times last episode. And they made him action figure, so he can't just, like, die and then not come yeah. back. Yeah. And he's got something else their team on. doesn't have a droid. Which all these teams, you know, there's always a droid team member. It's true. The yes. squad's yes, always the true. squad's uh, Star Wars. I mean, you got to have one. And and you, you got know Chopper. What? You got all these different droids. And that's kind of why the path that JJ took makes sense, because there is something nice about understanding how Star Wars works, and it's kind of satisfying when you see some of those slots get filled, even if they are in slightly different right. ways. And BBA um, was like, "All right, Poe." I'm with Ray now. Like, yeah. this is done. Yeah, yeah straight up, it. dude. I forgot. I kind of forgot that BB-8 and Poe were the original. Yeah, were the original yeah. homies. Um, Not anymore. Could, could y'all share y'all's thoughts on what I thought was the most uh, important takeaway from Chapter Seven, which is that Baby Yoda might not, or probably is not a clone. I, yeah, they did. They did. Yeah. They did basically meet that like head on. Like, they called it a strand cast. Yeah, that's what he called yeah. it. That's what Mandalorian called it, and then Quill was like, "No, I don't think so. I think this this isn't a clone or a." I yeah, think it's arguable. Been working with this. It, it's arguable. What is the best takeaway from that? I think your takeaways were were probably in the long run are going to be more more impl- more implications are going to come from those. But I think kind of resolving that plot point is something that I, I think just means a lot for this. Well, series. Jesse's the one that originally told me that the Doctor had the. Uh, What's the cloners? Why Camino. Camino, Camino yeah. yes. That he had the Camino logo on. So if we are combining that with the fact that Doctor really needed Baby Yoda alive and the fact that Quill, who's an expert in such matters, doesn't believe Baby Yoda to be a clone, that tells me that maybe Camino is looking to get him to clone him and make some sort of 
Force-sensitive army, maybe like clones, but with Yodas instead of, uh, and you know they can hyper-accelerate the growth of humans. So, could they hyper-accelerate the growth of a Yoda, which goes from hundreds of years maybe to something more akin to a uh, normal lifespan? Could you imagine being on like a Republic planet, and all of a sudden, like a hundred little miniature. <laughs> Yoda's come landing out of it, like paratrooping in. <laughs> Episode two, like, and, and think about Yoda at the end of Attack of the Clones, and then think about Yoda in his physical prime. Right. Like before yeah. he's on the cane and everything, and then think about a hundred of them. Yeah, I mean, they're... just bebopping around, flipping and spinning, lights, red Jumping. lightsabers. They'd be in trouble. Um, oh my gosh. I didn't know, though. I didn't, I, I kind of was like, did that thing just shoot him? Cause I kind of feel like if Wait, I was that thing shoot who who did the about? did the bounty did the the bounty droid shoot shoot Quill. Quill. and then how does Gideon get there? Who's the where's this this breakdown in communication happening? Where all of a sudden, boom! Here comes the big dog. Everybody's blown up to bits. Weren't weren't they all on the same side? I mean, I thought the the well, client... Werner Herzog. It seems like Gideon is Werner Herzog's superior, and obviously. Gideon obviously will fire on his own people. Yeah, and 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 to me, it just shows how I took that was that Gideon just using Herzog, and when Herzog told him like, okay, you know, we got the package or whatever, Gideon was like, all right, I'm I'm stepping in now. You're you let it go once. He ain't letting out again. It was kind of crazy. They built up Werner Herzog so much, and then he got got. It's like instantly. He had, great, he had great lines talking about like the breakdown of the economy oh, and violence, yeah. and does this look like peace to you? I, like I mean, those were some heavy thought processes there, because well, this looks like the Wild West. Right, that the world they're living in. It's kill or be killed. Yeah, and then let's look at the end of Rise of Skywalker. It's even more Wild West. You have all of Coruscant destroyed. I guess we assume that the First Order then had kind of reassumed control. The Emperor's dead again. Does the First Order collapse? Is it just like Return of the Jedi where it means nothing and the First Order just continues with like Commander Price in the lead or Pride in the lead or whatever is... You know what's a big risk taking? Like like what's going to happen? There is actually nothing about the universe as a whole resolved at all at Rise of Skywalker. No, there isn't. But there's the final order. I thought the final order was hilarious. Like I thought it was pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, it is funny because you think like first order and the final. You're order. not thinking chronologically. You're thinking <laughs> like, like it's oh, it's two, like a military three, ranking. Four. Like this is the first order. Order sixty six point six. This is sixty six. This is sixty seven. Yeah. Yeah. If we had order sixty seven, then the first order, then the final order, we're kind of like scrambling all these. Uh, oh, you're right. Actually, we just need one more order, and the final order becomes order sixty nine. <laughs> If 67 <laughs> is the first order, we need one more in between, and then we got seriously order 69. It uh okay questions about the final order then while we're on it. Um, Exegol is very hard to get to. How in the world did they get the resources to build that fleet? Because that is a fleet that feels like it would take more resources than the Death Star too. So I have an interesting interesting take. Okay, um, give it to me and manpower, not just raw materials. But manpower as well. My answer is not as good for that one. But I will say that uh, for resources, we do have explanations for this, which I guess are now canon, but are probably not officially canon yet. Uh, in KOTOR, we do see the Starforge um, as, as an element oh, of, yes, talk about Starforge. Of, uh, of creation. And uh, I, you haven't played KOTOR yet. Have you, have you played KOTOR? No. So um, I don't want to give too much away, but essentially 
the way that the Sith army gets as much resources as they do is because of direct influence from a Star Forge. So those who have played KOTOR will understand what I'm saying. I don't want to give away too much. No, tell us. What is a Star Forge? So basically, it's, you know, the Rakatans I told you about? Yeah. Um, Essentially, did we do that on the podcast or is that off air? I think we did do that on the podcast. We okay. give a quick refresher on the Rakatans. Rakatans were a race of force sensitive people who, um, in the very ancient past in Star Wars history, um, essentially used their powers to enslave the entire galaxy um, and used their uh, energy and force force sensitive abilities to build this uh, giant space station essentially called the Star Forge. Um, which you could equate to being the KOTOR Death Star, you know, in terms of yeah. the, the big scary thing we have to take out. Um, and they harness the energy from uh, a sun, much like the uh, Starkiller base does, yeah. to get enough energy uh, to create resources to build starfighters and uh, fleet carriers and, and all, all those things that an army would need to be so sustainable. So it creates raw materials? or it creates Yes, it, it, it actually uses the, 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 the Sith energy and the, the the sun's power to create oh these, okay these that's, crafts. Uh, that's that's a potential explanation for what felt like a kind of maybe a big loophole and seeing the seeing the actual destroyers come up from the earth in exegol kind of gives me an idea that it's the same principle um in that i mean it looked tight like yeah, everything no, else badass. in the movie it looked really tight T- when totally he raised badass. his hands up and then like a thousand star destroyers come up to the ground and it's uh I, I would have to say that it's that same premise. It is my theory as to how those those things get created so quickly. Jesse, I've been wanting to pick your brain about this. Do you have any ideas on how maybe this got made, or do they even feel the need to explain it? I'm going with his. I mean, I don't really... I didn't really need a need for it. I will say... So maybe that's the question. Do you feel the need... Do you, do you need to know how Palp made these ships and had them manned by thousands of people? Because how many people are on a Star Destroyer? Like 30,000? Am I exaggerating? I'm crazy. It's a large number It's a large people. number. Now, and I don't know how much is automated man. now. I don't know what droids. I mean, there's a whole... It looked like they were the same generation Star Destroyers as in the, the original trilogy, though. And they kind of had that blue, that Vader Star Destroyer look to them, didn't they? Like, there was like blue lit through yeah, it. Yeah, the, 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 the engines definitely looked kind of like the, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. the Vader. And then... They obviously had planet-destroying weapons on each one. But he's hooked in. I mean, is Palpatine hooked into some, like, Cerebro thing up in there that he can just magnify his powers at Exegol and do all this crazy stuff? As someone who's uh, loved Warhammer on and off throughout my life, in Warhammer 40K, the Emperor is immortal because he is hooked up to just this insane machine that is his throne and... The uh, souls of like the souls and life forces of like psychic people of like psychic sensitive people are basically fed to him by the hundreds by the day to keep his spirit alive. Uh, and so I loved seeing like decrepit old Palpatine, uh, just just an in you know like an ungodly like when you see that machine he's hooked up to and how it's keeping him alive, it just feels like it goes against nature. Oh yeah, a lot. And so I, I loved that entire design. That, it that was visual, fantastic. That visual of, of his his chamber area on Exegol, along with the arena. Yeah, that's behind him. Uh, my, my, I couldn't help but thinking when I saw all those robes, just like the stories. That so are I thought that I thought those. that those people were like Force ghosts, almost like Sith Force ghosts. Were those actual Sith followers there in that temple? I want to say it was like the Sith lords because the um, 
the way that they set up Exegol is kind of what I would imagine Korriban to be uh, as a parallel to Kotor, which is essentially a world of Sith. Yeah. Um, where the where the Sith Academy is located, um, and they have the similar thing where there are statues of old Sith lords all along the Valley of the Dark Lords and Korriban. So like that's kind of the environment you get introduced to in there. So I want to say that Exegol is kind of like Canon Korriban now. Okay. And what you see in that arena is kind of a Valley of the Dark Lords esque thing where like. The, the statues are set up and if there's an Isla statue in there I gotta imagine like it's just a bunch of there is an Isla statues. statue that's the guy that we were referencing earlier so I wanna say that like I, this is just my, my take I thought that there was a lot of like very powerful dark energy coming just from those the, the images of the robes was something that was very striking to me I agree I just wonder if they're real people or not I don't know but it turned into the Coliseum real quick in there <laughs> yeah I mean it, it was it kind of felt like Palp addressing the old Republic in the prequels at times, too. Yeah, we had some like, cheering. We had the mob was yeah. alive in there. I mean, there was a definite mob feel, you know, that gladiator feel when she's in there. That, um... A lot of people coming back from the dead here in, uh, yeah. in, so, in so another, Rise another, of Skywalker. So another thing about Rise of Skywalker, they ran into what I... What, the show that did this more than any was probably the show Coven, the American Horror Story, which is one that was set in New Orleans. It was literally... Everybody that died came back, but this movie had a little bit of that going on. Uh, Chewbacca's dead. No, he's not. No, he's not. Uh, C-3PO's memory's wiped. Well, n- not really. Like, just kind of, up until like two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, Ray's dead. No. Uh, Kylo's dead. No. It was just like time and time again, this guy's dead. Oh, Palpatine's dead. Nope, Palpatine's here. <laughs> I mean, what are the taking bets back in the day when you're like, you know who's going to make it through it all? Lando. I mean, this is the one who's going to make it through the whole thing. Out of the original cast, all right? Like him and Chewie, they're like the only ones. Uh, I mean, the big three, the big three all all get got by by movies in. Even Um, Kylo, he's gone. Speaking of, okay, actually, first off, okay, so a positive thing that I love about Rise of Skywalker is I still do love Kylo's story. More so than Darth Vader, who just had one good moment at the end of his life where he was a good guy. Kylo, to me, has always been fascinating because so often in Star Wars, we see characters that are good struggling with being seduced by the dark side. Here's a character who was actively trying to be bad, but he's constantly struggling with the good that is kind of inherently in him. And so I think that Adam Driver, really, it is his performance that lands the plane. He is so good throughout all these movies. I think there's a case to be made. Is Adam Driver, let's go this, is Adam Driver the best is it the most well-acted performance in all of Star Wars? No. Who Who's better? I I would say there are a couple examples, but mainly what I would draw on as to why he's not would be that he just comes off as, like, trying too hard in some instances of his dialogue. I think, like, his... If he would have been a little bit more natural with it, I think it would have been better. I, I, I want to say that this, though. I don't think you could have cast anybody else to play Kylo Ren. I think that his... The way he pulled it off was great. I just want to say that, like... His his just the way he comes off, and I, I really can't put my finger on it, but just it doesn't come off as who's better, who's out there, who do you think? See, better? so that's that's where it's interesting though, because I don't have that feeling at all. Really? I feel like he brought a depth to that character that is almost not found anywhere else in Star Wars. Like when I think about some of the looks that <clears throat> Adam Driver gave, that kind of like the subtext that I understood, I it really like what pops to my head is like Alec Guinness when he's talking about the bad times and how I used to be boys with your dad and before the empire and kind of haunted looks that he gives like 
And, and that's a, that's a small role compared to what Adam Driver had to do. So yeah, I I mean I. It just shows you, look, we can all experience things in different ways, but everything that Adam Driver did really hit with me. I felt like that there was depth there, like a real character. What about Ian McDermott? Um, see, to me, while very fun and very good, a more surface level kind of, like, he is awesome, and he's chewing up the scenery, and he's got that excellent British accent, and he's just like... You know, uh, not for a Jedi or unnatural. Like, yes, like his lines are great, but to me, they felt a bit more fake than Kylo Ren just felt like a real character. And Star Wars doesn't always have people feel like real human beings. And I and I and I, I felt like I got that from Driver's performance. Who, who would you say, Jesse? If you had I mean, to pick. I think you have to kind of put Obi Wan, Alec Guinness, in its own little area, just because it. For however small amount of time he's on screen, the larger impact to the whole discussion of what is the force. I mean, he's the first person to tell you what it is. Yeah, he's you know he he is the guy. I think Ewan McGregor was a great Obi Wan. I think he was too. Same thing with Ian McDermott, though. I feel like Ewan McGregor. It's just I guess it's just that the performance. Comes I don't, off I'm not saying that Adam fun. Driver is not great. If you're looking yeah. at the body of work, I would just say that a lot of their shortcomings in terms of. Uh, Obi-Wan and Palpatine in the uh, uh, prequel trilogy. I think a lot of those were kind of written in. I don't think those were the actors. Themselves. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. But but also, like, I don't think Kylo Ren's written especially well in Rise of Skywalker. Or at least a lot well, of the Obi-Wan, depth, a lot of the so depth is gone from, from Last Jedi. And I thought he still kind of translated that. Or, like, the subtle shrug that he gives when he... Gets the lightsaber and he's looking at the knights are in. He's like, "Sorry, boys, like you're fucked." <laughs> well, I think Ben Scott. That's Ben Skywalker at yes, that point. Yes. I think people yeah. liked that. I think people liked it. It was great, and Ben Skywalker was great. But you could tell that it was Ben Skywalker, despite like they didn't have to hit you over the head with it. It really was his subtle. When he landed on the big yes. chain, it like, was ow. like, "Ow!" <laughs> he just like felt like <laughs> human again, not just like ang- I. I don't know. So I, I think Driver's fantastic, as you said. Though Alec Guinness is, you McGregor is. Ian McDermott is. Who else? I mean, if you get into Rogue One and stuff, um, there's uh, really well acted there. What's his name? The guy who plays Krennic. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, Ben, he was ben great. Mendelsohn. He was great. He's uh, he's in your favorite movie, Ready Player One, as well, I believe. <laughs> he's there was a Ready Player on One feel to the end when the all the cool little ships, the little ben Easter Mendelsohn. eggs, ships that they brought to you. You know, everybody just heard the call. It, it hit uh, made through the the red, not that scary trip through to, to Exegol. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, come you on, know. dude! You can't help out my guys when they're being chased by the end of Last Jedi by like one star destroyer. I mean, granted, yeah, it's the, it's the capital ship, but like they're not in like some hidden world. There, you're there in space. You can get to, and nobody comes. Maybe it's because you know what? It's because they didn't have General uh, Calrissian. Right, and then once they had General, some... once they had charismatic Billy D. Williams, it was a wrap. It was Everybody a wrap. was coming so to much. fight. Yeah, yeah, I he think was... he's one of the better, better actors in the series as well. See, I I, uh, I felt like when it worked, it really worked in Rise of Skywalker. But there were two or three lines there where Billy seemed a little, <laughs> a little lost. Look, a little look, bit. look, I have to agree with you on that. But I, I, I think overall, when I see him, I just smile. I agree. So, I like, agree. I, I, I don't Joey, ever... good to see yeah, you. The, 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 his intro was great. Yeah. He I, was I, good in that thing. I can understand the critique, though. I, I, I will say well, that. Well, there was just, I remember there was just one sequence of dialogue where to me it felt like he was really just like struggling with 
making him feel like he knew or believed or like in what he was saying. It was just kind of felt like he was delivering it a little bit. But I can't, I can't put my finger on where that is. But I, I mean, I, 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 I agree that it, it, we're, we're doing this there. off of one showing. So like all of these opinions are open to change. We're forming like I never. What I'm interested to see when I saw Last Jedi the first time. I was like, okay, that was pretty good. And then when I saw it the second time, I was blown away. I've never had that kind of experience with any movie where the second time it's revealed itself to me that much further. I wonder which direction I'll go with a second view- viewing of Rise of Skywalker. I, I would agree that I do need to see it again to really solidify that opinion. Yeah, I agree. Well, there's I'm so much see to it break in IMAX down. this yeah, time. I went I just, standard oh, vision, but I, I wanted to get, I wanted like scrub. nine o'clock in the morning. I went. I had to I, jump in and out of there. I did IMAX 3D. Um, 3D adds nothing. To no, 3D. I don't think it no. does either. You and, and it's my fault. Generally, my golden rule of 3D is like the director has to want to film it with 3D in mind and really hammer it as a point. And and JJ never did. And well, they still it make showed. 3D movies. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> Look, when done correctly, 3D can still be a valuable filmmaking tool. But you have to, and I don't think a lot of filmmakers are anymore, like they were for a little minute there. I do think that you have to film it kind of with that in mind. Uh, I, I don't really think you can go wrong like with the... like a big like laser projector theater. Actually, not a plug. I don't do commercials for them, but celebrity theaters. Um, they have these PLF theaters that are IMAX size screen, Barco laser projections. They have the Dolby Atmos sound system. They have 108 speakers in each theater. Uh, it's the best technological experience you can get in Baton Rouge. So... Where is that? Uh, it is, you go up 12, and you get off somewhere. Somewhere in between here and, uh, and Livingston? Before Denim Springs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's somewhere before. I'll look it up. It's not 20. It might have, I don't know where it is from you. So where I live now, I live out in the burbs off of Segan, and it's about only like 12 or 15 minutes from me now. Yeah, that's a, you're you're kind of centrally located. To, to yeah, I got a great. I-10, I-12. It. It's off Georgia O'Neill. What's that? George O'Neill. Okay, there you go. Yep. Off of Corsi. But, but I'm saying, specifically, though, be careful, because the other theaters are not that nice there. There's only two PLF theaters. You want to make sure that you get a showing to the PLF theater. That's what I'm going to be doing. I need to, I need to get that done. So do y'all think Mando and the crew get out of this jam? Or are we going to end on a, on a somber note of Baby Yoda heading off with the with the Empire. We know there's gonna be more than uh mm. more than one season, but I can't I can't say that that second season is just gonna be not spent trying to find Baby Yoda. So I would say somehow through some Star Wars miracle that we always manage to find that they are gonna get out of this, but I don't think Baby Yoda gets back with them for a good bit. Really? I yeah, that, that's that's my take. Well and the Mandalorians, they're not I don't think they're there anymore. So he's that Trump card's already been played in episode three. I don't think the jetpacks are showing back. You, up. So you don't think the clans are coming back for episode eight? Because I feel like the clans are coming they? back for I mean, I would eight. be excited. I want them to. I just hope they haven't left. Because I was under the impression that no, they, they moved left. their they little the planet. Their yeah, little, there's no way they could have stayed. Headquarters. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, they definitely bailed and moved their blacksmith shop and everywhere else. I just 
I feel like it's you're gonna need firepower for this mission, and it just like I mean, there are a so ton perfectly. of stormtroopers, and they are scout yes. troopers. They got a full little battalion out there. So my like head is kind of spinning yeah. because of all so the cool. new stormtroopers that we saw between this and Rise of Skywalker. It's a lot. This is the one in Mando Episode Seven. They had the all black armor, right? Love those. Yeah, oh, they were yeah. so tight looking. So cool. <laughs> I love the scout trooper too on the speeder bike. I yeah. just think that's a it's good, a classic look. Good look with the with the like binocular box head. Yeah, the, the helmet. So we do see in those black intercepting troopers. Intercepting some, yeah. some frequencies. Signals, yeah. You do see the new helmet in Chapter 7 of the black troopers. Yeah. Um, the First Order-esque design helmet. Oh, yeah, I guess um, you're right. I didn't what, consider that. What, what takeaways do we, do oh, we take Oh, does that mean that is... Why do I want to keep calling him Gus? What's his name? actual name? Gideon. Gideon. Does that mean that is Gideon one of the founders of the First Order? I mean, I guess we never see him in the new trilogy. I mean, so. this is the early uh, creation of the First Order. Yeah. I mean, this is, that, that's their final landing spot. We know that. You see, like, people. like, shiny armor stormtroopers. Uh, the client has the dirty armor stormtroopers. But neither are first order, because it kind of confused my my brain was kind of confused when I saw. All right, we have first order black armor troopers makes sense. Then we have really clean old stormtrooper. Like I that didn't really connect with me. I didn't understand why that. Uh, I, th- I think it's probably if I had to guess, it's because they're in a transition period. I don't know if the first order's been outright proclaimed yet, or if the kind of wheels are in motion behind the scenes, as you said. One thing that, because the show points out the economic instability, the kind of security that a, a, you know, come sign up, like, yeah, people would kind of flock to that banner a bit. And, and so do we see more, uh, do we see more of that? I, 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 I would hope so, but we only have one episode left. So they probably, I guess we probably won't get too much into the creation of the first order, but that's what I think. I think they're in the process and I think that maybe Gideon has a, uh, has a big role. In that creation. So what do y'all think is going to happen in episode 8? I, I think, okay, for what you asked, Jesse, I think that they will get Baby Yoda back. I think they will. And I think that the clans will show up in one form or another. And it'll be kind of a pseudo-happy ending where maybe they're on the run and everybody's coming after them. And I've got to assume that if the Empire is hunting him down... The other team, although they have missed some big events in the past, the Jedi, yeah, have got to also be looking for this, right? Somebody's got to be looking for Yoda outside of just the Empire, right? Yeah, and the bounty hunter, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I only... And then you had that character... Well, who are the Jedi at this point, though? Obviously, no, obviously nobody knows about the Jedi, even in the uh, Quill... He does. He's like trying to lead on that. Hey, this could be the Force, Mando, and even the Shock Trooper. I just forgot her name, but G- uh, I just always call her by a real life name, Gina Carano. What is her name in the show? But I, you remember that part where Quill's like, "I know what this is. I yeah. know what that yeah. was." And then they're like, "What, man? Tell me." Yeah. We all think the Force is just everybody knows about it. A lot of people still, they're like, "What even, could even this at, be?" Even at the Jedi's height. It feels like people didn't always know the Jedi because we forget how big these Star Wars universe is. And that's because the slice that we see a lot of times is like very it's narrow. It's through these powerful, powerful uh, family ties. Yeah, I mean, even, you, even think about Han. That, you know, Han and, and, or in New Hope. I've Han from, is the true come from nowhere, right? I've been that's, from one side of the Empire That's who Ray could have been. You could have been Han. 
You yeah, exactly. Been... Han didn't have famous parents, right? right. It, it didn't affect him. This dude came from Denarius and right who, out who, of the gate. Who, who are Palp's parents now? If everybody's parents got to be someone, is Palpatine an immaculate conception as well? Have the we Clintons. even gone there? No. Whose parents are? I don't think anybody's. Anybody I just love that he had a family. Yeah, that is kind of interesting. Yeah. You know, the Snoke clone was pretty interesting too. They got another Snoke clone. They just what they're doing them. So they just was, like cast. Oh, that's what I was. They cast Snoke okay, to the so side. I will say, as oh, far yeah, as the oh, yeah. as far as the manpower goes, those could be clones. Potentially manning those star destroyers. If we wanted to explain away the, uh, you know, how how do you manage to create that final order? I think that's probably the best explanation. Um, where where what were we just talking about with what what eight what episode eight's gonna? Yeah. Do. So I I actually I actually view I think I think we're gonna get a happy ending. I don't know if there was any guarantee of a season two when they started this thing. And so I think not ending it on a cliffhanger probably made the most sense. Uh, I don't know, Jesse, you're a Dave Filoni expert. Like, when you've seen him in seasons, they generally wrap up pretty tidy, don't yeah, they? they do. You always got some kind of animal, too, like a that comes running yep. in. They, you know, he likes the, the, the different animal species. Filoni's got one in almost all of his different series. And you've seen that throughout Mandalorian. Right. We've seen the... Mudhorn. Uh, we saw a Lothal Cat for the Blurgs. first time. Blurgs, which Blurgs have really grown on me. I just love them. I was love very Blurgs. upset when the... We saw the Pterodactyls this last episode. God. I was very upset when they These started got like little mini Blurgs. Drogons coming out of there. <laughs> These things have come a long way. I, I, I was <laughs> laughing like that was just a straight dragon attack. Yes. It was like, it was true, because Star Wars has always been fantasy with kind of a sci-fi setting. That was like just a straight sci-fi dragon attack. Oh gosh, yeah, right out of the gate. It hurts even more to see those blurgs die when you know how much effort has to go in to train them too. Yeah, like that really sucks. And, and they, they, those you know, blasters were over. worthless against oh, those yeah, things. Oh yeah, they did nothing. Yeah. Um. And so I, I think we're probably due for a happy ending in the Filoni two-parter. Uh. What do y'all think about? Okay, just I'm just going stream of conscious here. More Rise of Skywalker. What did y'all think about Babu Frick? Loved him. He was great. He was great. I loved him so much. Claude. They just kind of brought him in. He was a, he was a helpful. Wait, who's Claude? Wasn't he like the, the little um, alien that was on their their little team that was helping them do some things? Can't Um, think of his. uh, His name's Claude. Not Dominic Monaghan, because Mary from Lord of the Rings randomly showed up in Rise of Skywalker and is now a character in Star Wars. No, not Wars. him. He was on there. He was on one of the. I'll point him out. I'll have to find him and, sh- and send it to you. But he was one of the new creatures introduced. I thought Babu Frick was great. Um, okay, so okay, let's talk about this then. This here's an interesting Rise of Skywalker discussion piece. Um, the extent that J.J. Abrams went directly against the Last Jedi, right? Uh, the the Palpatine parentage thing to me is well, it's understandable. That's a massive move. I mean, literally one of the core points of Last Jedi was Ray parents being no one. You cut out the knees there, but even then, I get it, right? Um, the the only and then and then the, <laughs> poor Rose Tico. They're like, Rose, you coming? And she's like, no, nah, General Organa needs me back here. Like, it was just, like, blatant. Like Bro, She got written out of this like, movie Bros, so hard. Like, bros, you are hard. out the crew. As somebody else pointed out, too, I mentioned Dominic Monaghan getting introduced. All of his lines could have been for Rose. You know, like, there was no, like, if you really right. want to do that, there was no need for his character. His character was just to stand beside Rose and then kind of 
say the same thing. So, but so so that again, though, I get that because Rose didn't necessarily. She was the weakest part of Last Jedi, not her fault. Her storyline that that it just that was probably the weakest part. To me, the one time, the one thing that JJ did that really I did not like, and I thought was petty, and I really don't think that his character was handled very well at all. This uh, or this, which is the Luke stuff, when Ray goes to throw her. Uh, lightsaber into the flames and Luke catches it, which first off, we're opening up a huge can of worms of Force Ghosts being able to interact with the real world, which we see Luke doing a lot of. Yeah, there was a lot of that in these these movies. Yeah, I mean, he, bruh, he lifted up an X-Wing while he's a dead Force Ghost. Like, well, what are we doing here? Are they allowed to? It's just whatever. Um, But he catches it and he says... A Jedi should treat their lightsaber with more respect. Like, that is so petty. After he chucks and, it over his shoulder. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Eight, and like, that's a problem. And it's like, okay, JJ, we get that you're telling us how you feel about that decision that Ryan made, that that was super bad of him to make Luke do that. But Luke's character did that. So to see him go from chucking it over his shoulder to then telling Ray that, it it's a huge break. He's for learned. Me. He was wrong. It's in, it's incongruous. I think that to was me. the like last the next couple lines were like I was wrong. Yeah, I mean basically yeah. it was like <laughs> it, was, it like, was like the most petty like. You like, might as well just said that writing was really well. The bad. last Jedi's <laughs> vitriol comes from Luke's character and how he was handled. If you and, take that away from, like that is. All the other hates, what I call fluff hate, you know, it's yeah. like... Yeah, well, and Canto Bite. You know, and then you but have... But even that's a bit of fluff hate. That's still I, like, fluffy. I agree with you saying, because it's not like But when you get down impactful. to the Luke stuff, that yeah. is some deep hate, man. Those people were pissed. Yeah, and and, and it's funny because I actually think that Luke's storyline is by far the strongest part of The Last Jedi, and I thought he just didn't do much of anything for me But when Luke did not ascend, like, descend with the Dr. Manhattan opened up eyeballs... Twirling lightsabers. <laughs> that was what these people. There was a, a significant part of the fan base that wanted Luke to be the hero that they grew up with. Yeah, right? they, they wanted. And so when they Luke. when he comes out and he's just a crunchy old dude, jobless, living in his little place. That was a blow. And I think that once that happened, there was a group that said, "I'm out." And it's know? funny because like, no matter it, what you do. Right. But they were always going to like Rise of Skywalker. It didn't matter what they did. They were going to be like, I love this movie because the other one sucked, you know? And and there's a larger conversation we had about kind of the, and I don't mean politicization and like the, you know, traditional conservative liberal politics. I mean like in just like people having meta opinions that they feel so strongly about that it doesn't actually matter what the text says like they're like you said like it didn't matter what rise skywalker did as long as they went against what last jedi tried to do they were in people were going to they're applaud it. i think that's no one matter of the, what. The, the biggest points to come out of this two movie series is that we're gonna be talking about that for a long time is that there's a group of people that like you guys said no matter what it's just, you know. it's just. I mean, you had the potential. Kylo put it on a tee for you to get out of Jedi and Sith, and you just went straight. Well, back and they've kind of gone there with Ahsoka's character in. And then in Ray Rebels has a yellow and, lightsaber. Ray has a yellow lightsaber at the end of this movie. What does that mean? You're the lightsaber expert. I don't know, but the gold saber was pretty cool. Means, I, I, I mean, go ahead, a Jedi Sentinel. So what is a Sentinel? So there's like three types of Jedi: blues for guardian. Oh, that's right. Um, Blue is like uh like aggressive, like very trained in lightsaber skills and stuff. Okay, Obi Wan, um, that's what's up. Yellow is Sentinel, which is kinda like a mix between really combat heavy and really power heavy. And then green is consular. 
um, which is essentially means you're only focused, not only, but like highly focused on like uh, force, force power. powers and the, the force side of being a Jedi. And you know what was another cool part about the Return of the Sky, uh, Rise of Skywalker is almost called Return of Skywalker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got Ahsoka coming live action. With the, you know, when Ray does her yes. be with me. Yes. You've got your boy from Rebels, Kanan, Kanan Jarrus. Jarrus. You hear, uh, Doom. I thought it was very appropriate that uh, Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan was the first voice in Ray's head because if you look back um, to Force Awakens, it is Ewan McGregor's voice when she touches the lightsaber that says, These are your first steps. Right. And then you actually hear Alec Guinness say, Ray. Because they apparently edited up uh, a piece of a word that he said, and they, you know, so they have Alec in his voice say Ray. That's cool. So you start with McGregor there, and then for him to say these are your final steps, and then you go into Kanan, and you got. Oh, you brought all these animated yeah. characters. A lot, of, and you wanted female voices, so you ended up with like three or four different Clone Wars, the TV show female Jedi, right. whose voices now ended up in the Rise of Skywalker, like the biggest moment. Of Rise of Skywalker. When you, I mean, you, there's canon and then there's canon, right? Like when you make one of the movies, you're in. That's real deal. Yeah, Yeah, right. I mean, we can do video games and and I do believe the animated runs in there because they use a lot of the same storylines. But until you're in, you know, one of the three or the big nine. They made it. They They made their way into the core Skywalker nine. I think the Ahsoka fan base made that happen. Okay, so. Okay, before we get to Ahsoka specifically, you also had Hayden Christensen in there. That was great. I still would have liked to see him. See, I know. Yeah, I, I, I was really hoping him. I was going to, like, the one of the biggest, not, I wouldn't say one of the biggest, one of the things I was really hoping to get out of this movie was to see him in some capacity. Yeah, me too. I would have loved to have seen, I mean, this is how wild I'll go with it. Not just, I would have liked to see the Force Ghost. I would like to see, like, Lord of the Rings style when Aragorn brings the army back. Them just start chopping people down in the, in the uh, Coliseum halls. Like, give it to me. You know, but like, don't it, hold back now. Well, it, it, Have to, them drop down in some Force Lightning, uh, Force Ghost. Give them some slate sabers. Let them go slay some folks in the... Uh, in the in the the gallery over you here, you almost could have written it off like Exegol is just a very force sensitive place, yeah. and like and, and and to your point, um, with Luke interacting with the physical world, you already you kind of opened that door. Yeah, I wonder if bit. they thought about doing Force Ghosts or just said, "Look, we're going to do audio instead." Or did they even have that discussion with with the creative team? Like, are we going to have all these people come back, like one by one? It just would have been tight if uh, Anakin was there with. Leia and Luke. I was really hoping at the, at the end. end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, you got to do that. You give us the old Leia CGI getting trained by Jedi. I mean, you're just yeah. throwing things at us. I mean, look, that's what JJ does. He does great fan service, and make no mistake, this was a movie built on fan service. And I don't mean that as a negative because I loved it. Like every little call out, I'm like, oh yeah, like oh yeah, yeah like yeah, oh. Yeah. Now some of them were almost too much, like. This movie was made for prequel memes when you've got Palpatine <laughs> saying it's a pathway that many consider unnatural. Yeah, says, yeah, yeah. I, he literally I, I says, do it. The old, yeah. do it, do it, yes. Uh, so, but, but for the most part, all the fan service hit with me. That, I, I enjoyed it. Hearing that line, um, pathway that many consider unnatural, I was like, oh, that's the thing. That's, 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 that's it. That's, that's the thing. It. Wait, now, Jesse, you know what Ahsoka being in the, obviously you know, but Ahsoka's voice being in that rundown, I mean, she's got to be dead, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and, I, and that's not something that ever happens, at least. It hasn't happened of. yet. It hasn't happened yet. Damn. Mm. And so they they put her down. 
They, uh, Dude, but, what if Ahsoka shows up on episode eight of Rebels? Will you lose your mind? Oh, you're talking about Mandalorian? Yeah, excuse me. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Eight I, it'd, be the, it'd be the coolest thing they could possibly do at this point. <laughs> yeah, just take this best. and drop her in the middle of them and let her just kill everyone. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so tight if they're like, they're But screwed. that's where I've gone with Star Wars at this point. Just you, give it to me. Give right. me yeah. all <laughs> this stuff. I mean, yeah. I don't. And, and it's fair. It's like, I, as much as I keep talking about Last Jedi being the thinking man Star Wars. I don't know if people want Thinking Man Star Dude, Wars. Dude, we learned it in Song of Purple and Gold. We come up with all these intricate lines and like, no, they they want a fart joke, dude. They want a, you know, <laughs> you've so got to right. beat them over the head with it. You're so right. Uh, and that's what everybody wants. Sometimes our fantasy writing muscle and it just doesn't play at all. They're just like, nah, But so there's a place care. for that. They've got all the comics, the books, the... I mean, now you got Disney Plus. They're just going to start churning this stuff out. Mm, the Ewan McGregor Obi Wan show is made by Deborah Chow, who directed this last episode of Mandalorian. And she did three. Which was directed three. Yeah. excellently. Right. Oh, really? Which one was three? Three was when all the Mandalorians come flying she, in. Yeah. Deborah, that's my girl. Yeah, it's my girl. She's right exciting. Chow. That's she's, exciting. She's doing a great job. Filoni she, 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 and she, them she, being a part of this. And then you bring Favreau, who's obviously introduced some Iron Man uh, graphics to the Mandalorian with yeah. the, with that. But what was his the little the the the, 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 the birds, the singing yeah, birds. like the singing then, birds had an Iron Man the feel Mando to straight them. Straight up fly Iron Man style. Oh yeah, no doubt, yeah. which when is the, great for heavy, me. When the heavies fly next, to, and did you know that John Favreau is actually the voice of the heavy? Yes, he gave himself a little. Uh, yeah, little he is. He's there. actually a Visla. He's Clan Visla. That heavy. Wait, what is Visla? Oh, man, they've got a lot to answer for, Mandalorian. So, so you know about Mandalorian history. So he, so Nick knows about it through the through KOTOR. You know about it through the actual canon stuff now, right? Rebels and... Oh, yeah, Clone Wars, Rebels, yeah. Satine. I remember Satine and her and Obi-Wan being in love, but Obi not doing the Anakin thing, you know, doing the Jedi thing. I which... cracked a joke, ne- very next line. Wait, what Obi-Wan, happened? Obi-Wan, when they kill Satine... He's, he doesn't get another line until he cracks a joke at her sister when she, like, comes to rescue him. That's the difference between Obi-Wan and Anakin's character. Damn. What about, um... So what is Clan Vizsla? Like, what insights has Rebels given you into what we're witnessing in The Mandalorian? Well, I think one thing is Mandalore is completely gone. Like, this... I, this, this When you see it in, in Clone Wars, it is a... Rocking, thriving planet. thriving planet that's got a, a pacifist um, way that they're trying to go. And then you've got this old kind of warrior code, you know, very much kind of feels like a, you know, a, a Japanese coming into Japan, coming into the modern era. Right. Mm. These guys don't want to let go. They want to maintain this kind of samurai code. There's a lot of honor yeah. throughout it. Visla is one of these bigger. I would call them like a like a Lannister type clan. I mean, they're OK. There. Yeah. A powerful family, powerful family. They've got a powerful ally in Dooku at the time because they're uh. manipulating all this. Wait, is Vizsla where the guy who wields the dark saber comes yes, from? Yes. And the ultimately. heavy infantry from Mandalorian. How do you know he's Clan Vizsla? Because that's his name. I just read it when they when they told us that Favreau oh. was uh, he because he's also he reads him in another in another uh, medium. But that's what I just figured at that point. This kid, this guy's Vizsla. You know, you've got this Ren clan. You've got all these clans that at one point or another had some really really talented people. And you're wondering if the Mandalorian is going to weave that deeper into the show. Because you've really only got 
the the first opening was when you got that real like Mandalorian folklore. You had the the armor. You yeah. had the I love I love that so the, yeah. both, both black. We've gotten away scenes. from that totally. We have we really have in this series mm-hmm. and and we're now I mean with the filler episodes if that's what we want to call them and like if we learned if a you're, little bit in those episodes about like his helmet and how he never takes it off. But yeah, nothing. We nothing haven't gotten super close to three. No, like, no. Right, it's right. seven. I would say three. Skip the three, get to seven. We're back in mainline, but we still haven't had any more Mandalorian, you know, folklore. But I'm assuming that's all coming. Which I was really I hoping feel, that was going to get spelled. I out. feel like if this show, I wonder how big the scope is of it. Right? Are they? Because ever since you talked about Jesse weeks and weeks ago about, um, you know, are we witnessing? A baby Yoda that will like reunite the clans, be a third powerful faction, and be a force sensitive Mandalorian at the head of the Mandalorian armies. Right? Which like, is that's, me, which, I, which, I, love, I love that. Thing. Yeah, it's got to <laughs> happen. That's all I can think about, right? So, if that is the case, so that's what this show wants to do. Then I almost feel like this season has to end with the beginning of that. So you would almost need the clans to show up, save the day, and you're kind of set to launch into this more galactic story next year where. You're going here and there, and you're recruiting these clan members and getting these clans to go along with you. Uh, I what sucks is I'm guessing we don't see a dark saber. I don't think you're going to get I it, thought, but I you should. We were going to. I mean, if you have a story called the Mandalorian and you don't have the damn dark saber it's, appear it's, it's at like the some first point, lightsaber. It's almost like a, there's like only a been one lightsaber. Jedi Mandalorian, one. Oh wow! And he created and forged this dark saber which nothing else looks anything like it It looks so tight and then as it's you know if you take it from there to the, to now it becomes a symbol of like if me and nick fought it out and i killed him and i got the dark saber even all of his army would have to bend the knee to the mm. dark saber holder right and so this so thing that feels like a season two storyline it's maybe, got i mean it is and it has made its way through the whole it's been in Rebels. It's been in Clone Wars. I just, Filoni, is he going to leave the Darksaber? This he big, can't, he can't completely badass lightsaber that even Maul wielded at one point. See, Maul. Maul's all in this, man. He is. He is. You even saw one of his kind, the the dude that uh, Cara Dunes was beating, you know, beating his ass. Cara Dune, there it is. Zabrak. Yeah, yeah, that is a, uh, that's what Maul is. Oh, with his uh, with his horns, right? Yeah, the the Zabrak people. You kind of see that in uh, Fallen Order as well. So, do we see Darth Maul then? Because the last time we've seen him, uh, in in uh, in move or in real life stuff, was at the end of Solo, which we'll never get the end of. I think Maul's dead at this point. Oh, because he died in well, um, hmm, I guess spoiler alert, but we've been getting into all kinds of spoilers. Yeah. But yeah. I, ac- I accidentally, I <laughs> if you're not ready for spoilers, don't yeah, watch. exactly. Yeah. I, I, I accidentally read this. I've not seen it, unfortunately, but he dies in Rebels, correct? Yo, yeah. Obi Wan puts him down. Puts him down. And Rebels with is great class. This. Okay, so Maul's not. So Maul's. So what do you mean Maul's in this? What do you? Well, mean? you just you see his uh, his same species hmm. show up. You know, he's it, Mandalore is permanently affected by him, like permanently, because when he when he got the dark saber from Visla, yeah. he became a ruler of Mandalore, and what he was ruling was a pile of shit. Like it was mm. at the end, the emperor, it had fallen. Then he becomes a rival of Palpatine, 
and what Palpatine does to him and his brother is illegal in I mean, 50 bro, states. I mean, Pal- Palpatine <laughs> I mean, in that fight scene golly. in Clone Wars when he's dual wielding sabers is I mean, Savage Press and Darth Maul two on one are is a formidable deal. Like yeah, if bro, you take you know them on, else, you know who else goes two on one versus Maul and Suppress Obi Wan and maybe the best lightsaber fight outside of Revenge of the Sith is Clone Wars Obi-Wan versus Anakin. the Maul Bros. Oh, yeah, right. No, right. I mean, he is... Obi doesn't get his his sword credit. No, we've I talked mean, about it. I mean, who, who's yeah, maybe really the only doesn't. better duelers in all Star Wars? Uh, Count Dooku, because he's 2-0 and versus Obi. Um, and Count Dooku's even got that weird, like, way of holding his lightsaber because he's such yeah. a duelist. Uh, and then you said this, maybe Mace Windu. Which let's go here. If is Mace Windu alive? He's no, got no, to no, be no, right. No, I mean, I if Palpatine no. is so, no, alive now, well, no. So here's the problem. Um, Samuel Jackson's voice was in the rundown. I meant to mention that he was along. It was with in Peyton there, Christian and everything else. But so did we, did he die? I mean, if he's the one guy that dies, that is something wrong with that. It's like we've seen so so many people fall down tubes, and nobody. (laughs) Darth Maul, the Emperor, Luke, Luke, nobody stays dead falling down tubes. He fell out that window. Didn't come back. She fell down too. I mean, I think there was some fire there, right? Well, we had some fire when the Emperor. Yeah, there's a little light in the. You know, like yeah, we'll see if uh, we'll see if old Mace what if, if Mace is back for any other kind of content. But I do, but he is dead by Rise of Skywalker. At I least mean, we would assume. Is Billy D. Williams and this new girl are they going to find out? You know what the what her origin story is? Is Ray officially who, who does, done? Uh, who but, does Billy D. team up with? At the end, the the she? former stormtrooper. Yes, who Finn and her kind of had a connection. She's Which about to get Finn zoned. Jenna, I think. <laughs> <her name's>, yeah. <laughs> no, she needs to Finn zone Finn again. Yes. Like he's gonna try to move in on it. She's like, Nah, I'm into Billy. They D. just couldn't <laughs> pick out who they wanted Finn to be with. Rose. Well, I mean, Ray. Like, to be to be fair, if there is one character that I did not like how Ryan Johnson handled it, I feel like he really made Finn's storyline. Very odd, right? Uh, by the like, he Finn's own Finn, yes, hard. Uh, and then, and then, uh, and then Abram still really liked Finn, and so he wanted to do his own thing with it. So they just kind of said, like, like nothing Finn did in the last movie had any bearing on this. No, movie. you could literally watch the first one, skip the second one, watch this one, and be. It would be a so. fascinating. Experience. I think you I mean, could. You, I you think the general like the movie Holdo goer. Maneuver. You know, the general person who's just going to go check these things out. Like, if I try to convince my wife to watch Star Wars and I had to pick, like, I had to, like, drop one movie, I could say, look, we can watch the first one. You don't have to watch the second one. We can watch the third one because it's, like, lined up. Not that I don't like the second one. I'm just saying that, I mean, it it picks right up. I mean, Finn was not Force-sensitive in the second one. By the third one, he's sensing people from different ships He's got planets. And they gave him a lightsaber in the first one. Oh, so I yeah. Feel like yeah, they kind of yeah. they kind of wanted him to go down that road maybe. Do you Just think a little you force? Can, do you think you could miss the Snoke throne room throne room scene with Rey and Kylo though? Do you think you could miss that and understand like the the I mean, obviously it's you're you're going to miss out on a lot. You will no, miss you out will. a lot, but to Jesse's point, it, like JJ so went and told like he almost was like, "Well, I'm going to make the second and third movie here." Like it wouldn't it, it wouldn't break your like you could still get what was going on, you just wouldn't appreciate it as much. Like the Raylo kiss would have no real yeah. impact. I don't think you wouldn't understand a lot of the duality of Ray and what would they call him a dyad, another new concept. 
twins yeah, what in the force. That? They called them oh, dyads. Yeah, that's right. Basically hmm. force connected um, through like some ancient power. But you wouldn't really gotten a ton of that. Like you wouldn't have the payoff there. But that, that's that's this morning because I still think that. Do you think Jedi Ray's done? I don't think Ray's done. I think the Skywalker saga is done, and she calls herself a Skywalker. You think so? She won't show up in anything else. Oh, you taking Tiger or the field here? You I'm know, never, I'm never willing to say that. I'm never. No, yeah, 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 you, you know, I don't, I'll I don't always go Tiger. He's got one more major left yeah. in him at all times. No doubt, no doubt. Because they uh, leave you with some some things. You know, they always do that though. They leave you with the gold saber. It's just I get yeah because you I mean you could fit Ray in a pre you could fit Ray like in a lot of different places right if 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 you just look at all the Star Wars content that is being made um, look and know. you know what twenty years from now you know what I don't hope though know? and this is the problem because this is what Rise of Skywalker makes me believe it's gonna do is that Ray's gonna like want to restart the Jedi Order bro it's yeah. time to be done with Jedi it's time to be done with being a Sith. First off, the Jedi's track record is spectacularly bad. That's awful. Uh, it's it is completely awful. And Yoda is the chief example of this. You have so many instances to look back in history to be like, wait, every time we tried to do it again, it's been awful. It's all like, so like, bad. It like, broke Luke. Luke tried to do it again, and it literally broke him because no, of Kylo's betrayal. <laughs> this never ends well through any instance in, in galactic history. And guess what? Jedi's rules are kind of dickish. Like, they're responsible for a lot of their own fall. They're like kind of Catholic priests. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, can't marry, can't feel emotion, all this stuff. It's time for an evolved good guy force user if you will like i am so i'm ready to take what works with the jedi and that's why it all could have been explored in this movie you know like i said multiple different ways to whatever uh, ideas can be good or bad ultimately it's in the execution and whether i agree with jj's ideas or not he did execute it very well but you could have had like a a a new order arise and may, maybe that's more what ray does i hope she just doesn't go back to the jedi dude um all right we are about an hour fifteen minutes yep. here, so we're gonna wrap Ooh. it up. Um, it's a lot. Any, it's a lot. I mean, we Christmas we, time. Yeah, I feel like we just yeah. scratched the surface. Like, there's still more that we could talk. I mean, we about. got a whole that giant episode seven, and then you know, obviously uh, Skywalker. So there's and there's, Skywalker is cram packed with things. Like, I'm just thinking about everything we missed. You see the ghost ship. Saw I, the you ghost told me it was there. The, I need to look at the still. Lean, on, lean, lean back into the mic. Lean back into the mic. I saw that it. I saw it was probably there. You told me it was there, but I need to get a still shot because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of a familiar lot of faces. Yes, I would imagine in there. They heard the call. Uh, I need to go Lando. two or three. <laughs> Order sixty-eight. Lord, coming at you. <laughs> Lando's so charismatic, dude. He's like, hey, buddy. Just caught, he's cashing in a lot of chips. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's Lando's why done I, a I, lot of favors. Maybe that's why I brought him up in the best acted people in Star Wars, because I love him. He's make, not makes Billy smile. Like, Save he the day. so charismatic. Who saved I, the day? I agree. Lando. Billy D. Williams is great. Uh, I thought it was nice seeing Chewbacca finally get his medal. Another little fan service moment. And, I like yeah, that they had yeah, him yeah, yeah. devastated about Leia's death because they've dropped the ball bad with that in the in Force Awakens with uh, with uh, Han mm-hmm. when he when when Leia goes to hug uh, Ray before Chewie. You know that was obviously odd, but so they fixed that. That was nice. Well, and I think what with what, what they wanted Carrie Fisher Leia to become a surrogate mother to Ray. Yes. They just yeah. couldn't get there. Yes. And that's really and that's one why of the... Ray doesn't need parentage. If she adopted the Skywalker name anyway, she didn't need to be a Palpatine. I know, and she's like she's like 
she's got like LeBron James or Michael Jordan type parentage here. She's like, what do you want to be? A completely badass Sith family line? <laughs> or do you want to be the most badass so, Jedi so, family line? So, We're so, going to... And it's here, like the summer's gene and X-Men <laughs> coming together, dude. But here's the deal. Okay, uh, I knew Jeffrey Jordan back in the day. Did Michael Jordan's kid become Michael Jordan? No. Did LeBron James' kid? And actually, Bronny's a beast. Bronny but, might yeah, have yeah, been a yeah, beast. Yeah, but point is, Michael Jordan and LeBron James are such because they came from nothing. Correct. Because LeBron had to struggle to get where he is. And yes, Ray still had to come from nothing in the sense that she trained as a scavenger. Like, yeah, she had to fight her way through life. But it's just that she doesn't need that blood, man. She just doesn't need it. But she's got it now. She is. She's got it now. I she's mean, a Palpatine. Yeah, the she's mo- got Force Lightning. I mean, dude, when she blew up that ship, that was so tight. No, that was very tight. I mean, how many times? And I will and let's say, be clear, I think Ray. I, I said that Kylo's arc, I love, and Adam Driver killed it. Ray is my favorite part of the new trilogy, hands down. I love Ray. Well, I, she I, is. I've loved Ray since she first showed up on screen in the Force Awakens. Uh, I, I've loved her throughout, and I love her throughout this movie. Daisy Ridley, great job. I love you. She did kill it. And Jake Pat, great. They have come a long way in the costume for the yes. Jedi. Yes. I mean, she's uh-huh. coming out here looking. Ooh, the all white with you the know, hood. And what, like, so, fr- so fresh. And it makes, like, practical sense. Yes. Right? I mean, Obi-Wan and Luke used to fight over, like, a bathrobe, right? That would be what they would do. No, she's got, like, yoga pants. With, like They look, like, very, like, you could really move in them. Yeah, you like, would, she's going to do, great. like, American Ninja Warrior course or something. Well, with she this does. When her and Kylo are jumping through the waves. And then what about how they're getting chased through light speed? Oh, that was cool, the light speed skipping? Yes. Which, like, they were you like, we're going to introduce this concept and then never revisit it, which I thought was a little interesting, like... Just do some light speed. Well, light skipping. speed was always the ultimate, like, get out of jail free yes, card. Yes, yes. So I kind of like this idea, like, you're just not jumping to light speed anymore, dude. Well, but but so but then they didn't explore it, right? Because like they obviously show. I'm guessing that the 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 tie fighters in that scene are chasing them because of the tracking technology that was established in Last Jedi, where you can track through light speed. Right. And so they're jumping right there through them. But it's weird to spend the first scene of the movie introducing this concept. And then light speed skipping just never comes up again, and the tracking never comes up again. So just kind of. And the Falcon is like an ultimate. If you had to skip a rock, and you had to pick it, like the Falcon <laughs> makes a perfect, <laughs> you know, rock skipping. It's so true. Hey, uh, it like you could skip this thing out <laughs> ten right. times. Yeah. You know, it's not just your average little, uh, you know, tie bulky tie fighter. It's. Uh, it's got a smooth, flat surface. Okay, I hadn't even thought about that. Oh, okay, okay, so wrap it up here. Uh, overall thoughts, Episode 7 and Rise of Skywalker, Jesse. I thought Episode 7 was the best episode since Episode 3. I was so excited to be back to the... And we're talking main, about Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Man, I was so excited to be back to the main storyline. Yeah, let's get back into it. Yeah. Let's meet Gideon. Let's meet the real, Ooh, Gideon, the right. real bad guys here. Let's see how we're going to get out of this. Uh, and then, you know, Rise of Skywalker, it's like I said, a Friday morning where I can go to a movie theater and, you know, kind of vegetate and watch this thing. It doesn't take a lot. You know, it doesn't, it's like we said, you don't, you don't need a lot of brain power. Give me the lightsabers. Give me the major plot developments. Give it to me all. Because what we've done is anything is possible. Yeah. And that's what Star Wars is about, man. Anything is possible. Let's not cram it down into being one little simple thing. 
And so who knows what's going to happen next. It's true. I think uh, I shared Jesse's point of view very much on The Mandalorian. Um, I was very glad to get back to the to the implication side of things. I think I talked uh, to you about that on the podcast before, T-Bob, about how I was so excited for the implications, you know, big big brain, big world type stuff. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't think we've got enough of As that. As Jesse's talked about, he's told me in private, like, Baby Yoda has the potential to be the most impactful character introduction since when? Since, like, ever? Han Solo? I yeah. mean, this guy yeah. is right at the Pantheon, dude. He is, he just showed up. World and with, changer. And with this, with, with social media now, I mean, this thing Oh, he's is, here to stay, because he's and, taking over the and world. And at first All I heard over. Disney was trying to, like, put a little, uh, freeze out some of these memes and some of this, you know, the creative that was happening with Are Baby Yoda. And then it was just like, nah, man, you can't, you can't get in the way of this thing. Well, I mean, I've got freaking Barstool Sports sharing Baby Stool, Baby Yoda memes. Yep. And, <laughs> I mean, from those guys down to whoever, I mean, it's showing up everywhere. Rap, Twitter, it's everywhere. Now, I'm still waiting for the internet to turn on Baby Yoda. Because everything the internet loves. There's a strong Baby Yoda hate current. Okay, so it's starting there. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I figured it would. Like, something can only be popular for so long before the internet shits on it again. So, extremely big. I'll stand with Baby Yoda through it all. Oh, yeah. I will as well. Uh, Okay, you want to talk a throwback. uh, You know, the puppet being in real, being, you can see him, touch him. People, practical effects. Babu Frick from Rise of Skywalker. The reason why all of these work is because it's not CG bullshit. You can use CG to enhance things, but pure CG characters, after all these practical effects we've gotten recently, I'm just, uh, get get the pure CG out of here. Get it out of here. Sorry, Nick. Now continue with your thoughts. So on 9, I want to just kind of, it seems like a paradox to me. They, They tried to do so much and in the end did so little. In terms of, it's kind of like, it's kind of true. In terms of like, way, like we said, like nothing is really resolved uh, no. too much at the end I, of at the end of Rise of Skywalker. I get everybody's no, dead though. Yeah, yeah everybody, everybody they, dies. They did that. I guess though. I mean, the Emperor's dead. Emperor's dead. Kylo's dead. Kylo's dead. Yeah. Han's dead again. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, that is true. Leia's dead. The characters, Luke's dead. The characters that we know through this series, a lot has happened, and you're right, and they've all passed. I guess what I'm saying is the universe as a whole is just another chaos. Complete. There's no emperor. There's no new republic. First order still control. Like it's just I have no idea what's act. Like I'm not convinced. The same thing on how Game of Thrones final episode. I think Westeros is more unstable than it has ever been before. You could apply that same thing to maybe the Star Wars galaxy. And I, I was, I guess I was hoping for that, but uh, it's Star Wars. There's such a broad vast galaxy i don't think you'll ever get real like put a bow on it it's over closure that's but, fair and i don't want that to happen ever you know i want to be clear i, I don't know we I got disney wanna... parks coming man we got the <laughs> yeah, yeah, hotel yeah. about to open up man <laughs> but uh no I, I i i love star wars so much and i just think it deserved a little bit better than nine but i think nine did a great job at the same time of, of tying up what we've been seeing from the from episode seven till hey, now, look, uh, did you have fun? Yes, I, yes, yes, I did. Absolutely, definitely, yeah, absolutely. definitely. Because you really have to push against the the fan base that's immediately going in there in a bad mood, right? I just don't. And there, I, there's I, definitely you, you can see that on on the social media. Oh, there's so many haters. I'm just like, man, this is not what this is about. Well, I kind of get it from the critic standpoint because critics aren't approaching it was from is it just fun? Critics obviously enjoyed Last Jedi breaking the mold. Because Last Jedi went 
like direct and by on purpose went directly against a lot of kind of Star Wars traditions and a lot of people find that exciting especially the critics so obviously when you revert back to the mean that's never going to play well critically yeah. what I'm interested to see is what is the eventual fan takeaway and and I think that it's going to be positive I mean like you said Jesse it was just a ton of fun right I feel like a theme park ride like a roller coaster ride Anything is anything can happen. I mean, yes, no, no, and, yes. and look, and I, it was ridiculous. Like not in a, and I don't mean that in a bad way, but there was some ridiculous shit yes. happening, yeah, and you man, just yeah. immediately Absolutely. had to accept it. Absolutely. And I, and the best part was, they did not wait to give you Palpatine. They no, jammed him that. right in your face, which was right, right. which was smart because with all the previews and everything, like don't play that game. But You're once that happened, you. I was no. like, oh, the cap is off, bitch. Yeah, like, we're about for to months. see. Yeah, we're about months. to do yeah. all of some real funny shit here. Uh, the lighting of Palpatine was great. Oh yeah, the white eyes, the well, uh, and then, like, conjuring like, kind like, of how that the movie, light the conjuring was all over from different angles. And I thought, flicker from like face to face. I thought the flickering was a little bit much. Oh after, really? Like, uh, after like. Like a while of being, you think it could have cut like maybe ten seconds out? It could have been like <laughs> I, I had a headache, so like it, that could have played a part into it. Maybe I need to go into it without a headache. Well, I love but, how they <laughs> have to put these disclaimers out now that like, hey, this is gonna have some fast yeah, lights. Bro, yeah. Pikachu, you remember back in the day when we were younger? Uh, they showed an episode of Pokemon in Japan, and like a ton of kids had seizures all throughout <laughs> Japan. Oh. And so they, I remember back in the day, there, there was like always the the kind of urban legend with Pokemon. Dude, I'm be like, careful. I mean. Uh, it, barring if you have epilepsy aside, I'm going to shut my eyes if I sense that I'm going to have a seizure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to close them. Because then oh you're done. Oh, my God. Uh, okay, so I guess my, my final thoughts on nine, I thought it was very fun. Like, I really did. And like I said, I think there's always multiple ways to execute a, 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 a something successfully. And I think this was a successful movie even if it's not the nine that I personally was hoping for. And I think it's an epic ending to an epic series. I was very emotional Saturday when I realized that this was the culmination of a, well, for me personally, it's like, a, I guess like a 25-year journey, but just a 42-year journey, right? To be sitting here in 2019. I, like, I'll never forget the day in the lunchroom in uh, second grade. Whereas before school, but we all used to gather in this lunchroom to, to teach, whatever. And my friend telling me that George Lucas said that Star Wars is going to be nine movies. And that it's actually three trilogies. And that these the movies that we had were four, five, and six. And I was like, mind blown, right? But I'm like, there's no way that that's actually ever going to be the case. And so here I sit, 20 years later, and sure enough, the ninth movie of the Skywalker saga is coming out. And so it was very emotional. It was great. Epic ending, epic series. Um, where would I rank it among the third movies of the trilogies? It's So first of all, overall, it's firmly in the middle of my pack. Um, I think it's better than Return of the Jedi, which I am not a big fan of. I don't think it's as good as Revenge of the Sith. I'm still putting Revenge of the, the Sith over part, The best part of Return of the Jedi is the throne room. Throne, Luke, throne room Vader, is great, and yeah. the, all the yeah. action is great. Like the assault on the Death Star with Lando and everybody's on Wedge. By the way, shout out Wedge until he's love seeing him again. Oh yeah, um, Wedge is and Wedge was looking the age. I yeah. mean, he. I, I have a picture of him because I had watched the. Uh, you know, I got Disney Plus, right? Yeah. I watched the 
the original trilogy yep. leading up to this. So for me, it was weird because I got to I saw Wedge as this young cat, and then you come in here, and you know Wedge has got a supplemental Medicare insurance policy. I mean, <laughs> this dude was hey, old he's looking, still fighting, bro, and he's win and and accurate. Yeah, yeah, man, he is the only pilot that is named besides Luke. I feel like that has survived every movie. He's been in every dogfight. Except for he couldn't be in Force Awakens because of some canon timeline stuff. Yeah. But I mean he's been he's been in it all. Um Wow, I forgot Wedge distracted me. I forgot where exactly I was where it ranks in your going there. Oh yeah, I just don't think you know, I think I think all the action in Return of the Jedi is great, but I think Han's ter- character is really bad in Return of the Jedi and they just went they made some odd decisions there. So it's it's the middle of my trilogy cappers all right nick take us out of here we're at an hour and a half jeez oh my goodness guys thank you so much for joining us on the four man Lord podcast um for our guest jesse for t bob uh, i want to thank you guys so much for joining us on this uh huge recap uh adventure we just went on um if you want to interact with us hit us up at twitter at four mandalore pod uh email four mandalore podcast at gmail.com you can catch us on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Um, again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm Nick Ashton, and y'all have an awesome, awesome, awesome day. For Mandler!